We ask you to watch over and keep them. Raise those who are sick and cannot be here tonight up quickly. I ask you, Lord, to touch Cheryl, my daughter's body tonight, and heal her quickly. We need her, Lord, right now, but you know what's going on, so we ask you to bless. Bless Mrs. Harden. Uh, Lord, heal her quickly. Uh, each one of these, dear God, we leave them in your hands, and we ask you to bless. Now, bless you tonight as we study thy word together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, turn your Bible, please, to Isaiah 53. Very familiar portion of Scripture, I'm sure. I just want to read it just to get our minds started. But uh, I was sitting last night, late last night, reading and uh, studying Romans and thinking about the things God the Father did in relation to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, please, verse 1. I guess uh, this is one of the sweetest chapters to me for a reason that uh, when I first got saved, a man in our church was a missionary to the Jews, and he took me with him uh, to go visit the Jews that he would visit and they wouldn't listen to all the rest of the Bible, but they would listen to Isaiah 53. And we got to lead several to the Lord out of this chapter because this chapter is strictly talking about our Savior and what He did for us. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who had believed our report? I like what Dr. Harold Sadler said about that. I do. Amen. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To me. Amen. And in verse 2, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should be, desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Amen. All we like sheep have gone astray. Yes, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. And he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is done. So he opened his, not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord uh, shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall all righteous servants justify many, for he shall bear their iniquity. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, 
and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading now and studying of thy word to everyone that's listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was going through this. If you'll go over now to the book of Romans, I'd like to begin in chapter 3. But what I'm going to do tonight is go back now to Isaiah 53 and verse 10, first of all. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. As you study this book of Isaiah 53, and if you take the book of Romans, there are seven acts of Almighty God concerning the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Uh, go into Romans chapter 3, first of all. Romans chapter 3, and uh, look with me in verse 25. Ver- Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Whom God has set forth to be a perpetuation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Number one, if you'll notice, this verse says God set forth Christ God the Father set forth Christ. He set Christ forth to be the propitiation for our sin. God knew from the beginning that it would require and demand the blood of His only begotten Son. Now, some today want to say that the blood of Jesus Christ has no part in our salvation. But the Bible makes it very plain that God's plan from the beginning was His Son's blood is the only thing that can cleanse us from our sin. Now that's what God the Father is doing right for everybody even in this day that we live in. Romans chapter 5. Go forward now. Just Romans chapter 5. And look with me please in verse 8. Now I could quote it but I won't read it because it's one of the plans I go through leading people to the Lord. One of the verses I like to use. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commended, commended His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, here again, this is in the second act of God concerning the death of His Son. Notice, but God commended His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Every saved person ought to stop and thank God the Father for, for permitting His Son to die for us sinners. Yes, now, Christ is the innocent one dying for the wicked. That's you and I. Now, it demonstrates, that's a demonstration of God's grace to us sinners. I don't deserve God dying for me. Amen? And every time I think of my sins in the past and and how God saved me by His grace and changed my whole life and turned me around, I can't help but say, thank you, God. Yes, sir. Thank you, God. Romans chapter 8 now. Romans chapter 8. Now, I'm talking about what God the Father had to do with Jesus dying on the cross. In Romans chapter 8, verse 13. 
For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Now, for this one verse tells us what the law could not do, did not do, nor could ever do, or have done, God sent His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to accomplish condemned sin in the person of Jesus Christ in a body likened to sinful flesh, a body like mine and yours. Jesus, His body, was just like mine and yours. The Bible said He was tempted just like me and you are. God permitted, now think about it, Holy God permitted Jesus, His Son, to suffer, bleed, and die. So get this, please. It is impossible for God to die. You remember a few years ago when everybody was talking about God is dead? God can't die. That's right. Amen? And no man can kill God. Yes. But God gave Jesus a body like ours so He could die for every man. Jesus removed the sting of death for every believer. I, I love to preach save people's funerals. Yes. Now, I, 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 I will do it, but I don't like to preach an unsaved person's funeral for the simple reason that I know there is a difference in saved people dying and unsaved people That's dying. Right. I've been with both kinds. I've been by their side when they died. And I do know that there is a sting of death. And that is to the unsaved, but not to the saved person. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56 says, The sting of death is sin. Well, Jesus came into this world to destroy sin. So Jesus, in His body, took the sting of death or sin forever believer. Thank God we don't have to die like an unbeliever, unsaved people do. And I've seen both kinds. Now let's go back to Romans chapter 8 a minute. And verse 3. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending His own Son in the likes of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin, in the flesh. Now, what that's talking about, if you back up to John chapter 3, verse 18, explains that. In John chapter 3, verse 18, it says, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What is the reason, according to verse 18 of John chapter 3, that anybody is condemned? It's because they don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Three things here. He that believeth on Jesus is not condemned, number one. Number two, he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Number three, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, notice now, anyone who believes in the finished work of Jesus on the cross is not condemned. Do you ever have a devil come around and tell you, you're not saved? And he tells you that he'll carry you all the way back to the old sins you used to do, something you did years ago, and he'll remind you of that, and he'll condemn you. And the Bible says, nobody can condemn me. The devil himself can't condemn me. Why? Because Jesus saved me. I'm not condemned. Now, how is that possible? Because God the Father has already condemned sin in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Romans 3.26 plainly says, to declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness. God gives every sinner who believes in His Son work on Calvary justification. And that word justification simply means just as though I'd never sinned. I heard, I think, what Dr. Curtis Hudson say one time, or you could put it this way, I'm just as just today as Jesus is just. Think about that for a minute. Justification is that God sees me now through the blood of Jesus Christ, and I become as just as He is. Now, so as far as our Heavenly Father is concerned, every believer is free from sin, and sins penalty because Jesus paid it all. Now, Romans chapter 8, and look at verse 32. Romans chapter 8 again, and uh, verse 32. Verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, I want you to watch something here is taught. Romans 3, verse 26 says, To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness. Then Romans 8, 32 said, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now notice, Jesus, God's Son, is the only one that can pay for our sins. Yes. Uh, I've had people come up to me and I'd see them in a market or someplace or a grocery store and they say, hey, preacher, you the one that saved me. And I said, no, I didn't. That's right. I led you to the one that came. But I can't, neither can any man that's called himself a priest today or any other thing can save anybody. God knew this in time past eternity. So God gave Jesus up for us all. Now Romans 8 verse 32 again. The first part of the verse tells us God spared not His own Son. Then it says, but delivered Him up for us all. You know, that's why I love John 3.16. John 3.16. You know, I, I, I think I've led dope addicts. I, I led a murderer in Rayford to Christ. I've led sex fiends to Christ. I've led, you name anything you want to, that we call sinners today. And I've led them to saving faith in Jesus Christ. We look at sin in categories. We think abusing a little baby or abusing a little child is a worse sin than cursing. Not in God's sight. That's right. God's sight says we're all in the same boat. Yeah. We're all sinners. Yes, sir. And so no man took Jesus' life. Now Romans 8 verse 32, <laughs> the first part, but delivered Him up for us all. Boy, I like that. I never met a man yet that Jesus didn't love. That's right. You think about that. No man took Jesus' life. God gave Him up. God delivered Jesus up to be hand, uh, in the hands of many who crucified Him. But Jesus told Pilate, you could have no power at all except it were given to you of my Father, God. God gave Jesus for us all. Romans 8, now verse 32. 
and look on down to verse 34. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also maketh intercession for us? Now, God's answer to all those who accuse us of our sins, it's God who justified us. Hey, if you're going to look at me and condemn me of something I did wrong today, you're going to have to blame God because it's God that justified me. Amen? Do you see it? Now, listen to me. Who then is greater than God? The Bible said no man, no devil, no angel, no greater than God. So it is God who is our intercessor, our lawyer, and He's never lost a case. Now, I want to put all this into perspective, I can, in what God the Father did in the death of His Son in a nutshell. Romans 3.25 God sent forth Jesus to be the perpetuation for our sin, number one. Romans 5, verse 8. But God commended His Son to order us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8, 3. God gave His Son a body in the likeness of sinful flesh so that He could die for our sin. Romans 8, 3 again. God condemned sin in the person of His only begotten Son when Jesus died on the cross. Romans 8.32 God did not spare even His only Son, only begotten Son, when paying the sin debt. Romans 8.32 God delivered Christ up for you and I to die even the death of the cross. No man could ever have taken Jesus' life from Him. God gave Him up to it. And in Romans 8 verse 32 through 34 the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's answer to every charge that can be brought against us who trust Christ's blood to cover our sin. Here it is then. Anyone who is born again, saved by God's grace, has to bow our heads and give thanks for our salvation to God the Father. Yes, sir. Amen. I can't give thanks. I thank God now. Don't misunderstand me. I thank God for my pastor that became my pastor. I thank God for Brother Rolfe's preaching when I got saved. I thank God for people like Dr. Harold Sider, and, and I could go on and on and on. The great men of God that preached to me after I got saved and give me steady ground to stand on after I got saved. But it's God the Father that did the saving. Yes. Amen. And so if you're going to praise somebody... I know that a lot of preachers, uh, man, they can't stand it if somebody don't come up to them. I, I never will forget going to Detroit with a former pastor of mine, and, and uh, he was one of these kind that had to come up for everybody once a month. Y'all don't come down now and pray for me and tell me y'all backing me up and for me. I'm just going to leave and go find myself another church. And everybody get up and they come, don't leave, Pastor, don't leave. And I never will forget this one little old lady as I was there. She little little frail lady. And he was six foot seven. And she was just a little thing. And she said, Pastor, bend down, would you please? And she patted him on the cheek like this. She said, Pastor, I love you. 
but I was here when you came, and I'll be here when you're gone. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I was standing right there when she did it. And I said, praise God, that's that's it. See, if you ever get that, then you appreciate your salvation. Stand right. Father, it's been a good night, and I do thank you for your presence. And Lord, you said you bless as few as you could bless as many. And you have always, because you honor your preaching. I ask you to bless tonight, go with us, watch over and keep us. See us back safely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Do 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 do.